What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Kabam Mavs. I'm your host, Jesse Matarazzo, and today we got a show for you guys. Wow, what a day it was yesterday. The draft is wrapped up. Trades happened. Players opted in. Players opted out. Wow, a lot of stuff went down. We're going to get right into the business. I want to do a quick overview of what all happened last night and today. Um, so I'll come back and elaborate on all the other things that happened, but I just want to give a quick overview of all the many things that transpired uh, for the Mavericks yesterday and today. Uh, first, with the 18th pick of the 2020 NBA draft, the Dallas Mavericks select. Josh Green out of Arizona. So, we got Josh Green. Sadiq Bey and Desmond Bain were both on the board at 18, but we elected to go with the high defensive upside of Josh Green. He's got the size, strength, all the intangibles to be a uh, to project to be an All NBA defender. So. They went with Green. I'll get into more more about Green in a little bit, but we're sitting there at 18. We have Green. We keep going. 19, 20, 29 comes around. Bain is still not picked up by anybody. And Tyler Bay's still available. So we're thinking, okay, no matter what, we'll be able to get one of these two people. We're thinking, okay, most of Mavs Twitter wants Bane like crazy. Everybody's been itching for Bane. Great shooter, TCU guy from Fort Worth, everything. So we come, and then all of a sudden we're thinking, okay, we got one chance. Just don't pick Bane. Don't pick Bane. All of a sudden Memphis swoops in to get the 30th pick and picks Bane right from under our noses. Cursed you, Memphis. I actually like Memphis. I like their whole uh, fan base, really educated fan base. I really like all the guys uh, in those Grizzlies groups. Uh, good stuff. They had a pretty good draft. You got to hand it to them. But they totally, totally got their guy. They've been needing uh, perimeter shooting for a while. I even thought Seth Green uh Seth Green. I even saw, thought that Seth Curry could have been a trade target for one of their young guys in Memphis. So, I'm not surprised they went after Bain. It was very disappointing to see him come off the board uh there. So, then all of a sudden we see that the Mavs pick up Tyrell Terry. Now, Tyrell Terry is an extremely good offensive player, but he gets compared to Steph Curry and Trey Young because he's so undersized. Now, this isn't really a compliment of his offense. While he does have a really good offensive game, really the comparisons are he has a good offensive game despite his small size and lack of ability uh, defensively. However, I do think Terry is a very crafty uh, defender that can, much like uh, Seth Curry, to pick out lanes and get steals quickly. So he does do a little bit on the defensive end to, to warrant him being on the court. Um, 
but Terry's a great shooter. He's a confident guy. He's a good playmaker. I wouldn't say great. I wouldn't give him the keys to drive your entire offense, but I think as a secondary playmaker, as a secondary uh, or a six-man guy, He's, he really projects to be pretty good in the NBA. I think he will be an offensive impact player uh, and just catch fire, much like a Tyler Hero or, you know, some of these, uh, Terrence Ross, some of these type of players that can just, like, catch fire and just take over. It isn't necessarily, no knock on Hero, he's a great player, but they aren't necessarily stars yet, you know. So... Uh, I do like Terry, but it was puzzling because we have Seth Curry. He basically would be in Seth Curry's role. And um, Isaac from the Locked on Mavs podcast even tweeted, could this uh, make Seth Curry expendable? And then what do you know, seconds later, Josh Richardson gets traded to the Dallas Mavericks along with the 36th pick in the draft for Seth Curry. Now, a lot of Mavs fans are very upset about this. They don't really know who Josh Richardson is, but Josh Richardson is, in my summation of Josh Richardson, he was in a bad situation in Philly. I think it may be a little bit of that, but it also may be be because on the heat, he was in a great situation. And it kind of came back down to earth when he was surrounded by a bunch of stars. So, um, you know, I use the word term star loosely, but uh, he basically is a an amazing defender. He can do some great things, de- things defensively. Offensively, he's not going to take over a game. He can do a little bit of things. He he does remind me a little bit of a Drew Holiday in the way that he's a really good defender. He's got some crafty moves offensively. Isn't an elite shooter, but is a capable shooter. Um, he's not the ball handler and passer that Drew Holiday is, but he is the defender in my opinion. Uh, he's on that level. I think Drew's still better. I think, you know... I don't want to be uh, comparative too much of the two, but I do think that um, if you were really coveting Drew Holiday and you get a 27-year-old um, Josh Richardson, you should be very happy, especially for a player like Seth, who, while is an elite shooter, struggled at times to get shots off and become more focal and aggressive in the offense. So... I think Richardson will make a bigger impact on maybe even both sides of the ball, but definitely defensively where we really needed it. So I think where a couple days ago I would have been pining for a chance to get an Oladipo or a Drew Holiday before the trades went down. um, Now I'm at a point where I don't think we really need to improve that spot anymore. I think we need to improve... Maybe an offensive type player, a secondary playmaker, and uh, just bucket getter alongside Luca. I think you do that and you have a healthy KP, you're in business. You're in business. So in that trade, we got the 36th pick. And what do you know? Who do you think was available at the 36th pick? 
Well, it was Tyler Bay. Now, Tyler Bay is a great player as well, and we'll go into a little deeper dive on all these guys, but uh, a brief thing about Tyler Bay is, yes, he is Sadiq Bay's brother. No, they're not related to Michael Bay in any way. Um, no action movies going down on the American Airlines lot anytime soon, but he brings maybe a higher defensive upside than Sadiq Bay. He's not the shooter that Sadiq Bay is, but he did shoot efficiently, efficiently one attempt per game, but at 40%, hey, that's not bad. If you give him two, uh, two attempts a game and he can stay close to that 40% mark, sign me up because this dude can rebound. He's probably one of the best rebounders in the draft, uh, which is saying a lot since he's 6'7", but he's super long. He's got like a 7'1 wingspan. Um, he can uh, rim run. He can uh, defend all four, five positions. He is needs work on his passing, but he can shoot. He has a little bit of a mid-range game. He has enough to where you could work on that. I wouldn't really want him taking a lot of those shots, but you know he's capable, especially if they need some playmaking on the on the second unit. But he does project to come into the league and at a at a ceiling, he's a um, he's a Jeremy Grant, and at a floor, he's a G League guy. So we'll see what happens, but I'm very happy about him. So let's get into a bit of a more detailed analysis of all these players. But first, there also is the news that Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, opted in to his contract, conveniently waiting till after the draft. Uh, he was trying to avoid getting traded, no doubt. And I don't blame him. I'm very happy that he opted into his contract. This makes our offseason a little bit less complicated. And it gives us trade flexibility, but I honestly hope we keep him. We, I think we need that offense with Seth gone. So I think that that is a good pickup. I think that um, he may have avoided a trade on, on draft day for a big player. And maybe he didn't want to get traded to, you know, the Chicago's of the world to get Levine or, or whatever would have happened. Um, now, does that mean he's not going to get traded? No, that, that means that he's opted in, he's on this team, and he may still get traded. So we'll see with that. Willie Cauley-Stein opted out. I don't really think he's going to come back. I think he's trying to find somewhere else to go. So that is a pretty disappointing. I think we really needed his rim running and rebounding and defense. Um, guys like that for $2 million are hard to find. So, um, I do think that that is a bit of a blow, but I'm so happy with all the other, um, players that we got. So in a second, we are going to deep dive into all these moves and really get a good feel of what our team is going to look like in the 2021 season. So first off, I want to get into Josh Richardson um, before we get into the draft, guys. Um, Josh Richardson, in Miami, he was their star. I, he, he was the main guy there. Uh, he was a bit of a playmaker. He was able to get his own shot. He was able to create offense. He was an elite defender. 
There were a lot of great things to say about him. Then he gets traded for Jimmy Butler and sent to uh, the Sixers. Now, he didn't really fit in in the Sixers, especially playing alongside the same type of player in, uh, in Ben Simmons. So he kind of lost his groove, I guess you could say. Now, you could say, okay, well, if he didn't play very well against or alongside of Ben Simmons, is he really going to thrive next to Luka? And that's a legitimate question. Um, However, I think he's now learned to play alongside better stars. And I think there is a sort of um, adjustment period of a year or so to really learn how to play with other uh, great talent. Now at Miami, he was really it. There was nobody really else uh, aside from uh, a much older Dwayne Wade to play alongside of. So now he's got some passing ability. He's got some playmaking ability. He's got some, uh, you know, outside shooting ability coming off the dribble, creating a shot. He's got a mid-range game. I think he has the ability to develop into a number two or three option on a team. I don't think he's a number one, and I don't really think he's a number two yet. But I do think that he could be the two, three option on the Mavs. Uh, he does remind me a bit of a Josh Howard in a way. But honestly, he he reminds me a little bit more of a Drew Holiday. Now, he's got that he's got capable enough handles to create enough offense. He can get to the bucket. He's just really solid at doing a lot of things. And then where he really shines, he's an elite defender. Uh, in his best moments, he can really change the game on his, on the defensive end. Now. There were times of the season where he was, you know, he was Eastern Conference Player of the Week in January. There were times where he really did get into his groove and started to play really well. And then he had duds. And I think a lot of that had to do with playing alongside Ben Simmons, also having um, players like, you know, Tobias Harris on the team and Embiid in a post-heavy type of offense. I don't I think there was just way too much going on there for him to really find a clear-cut role and I think he really pined to have the ball in his hands too, which is a bit concerning on fit here. Uh, I think if he takes the Tim Hardaway approach and really learns how to play alongside Luka, he can thrive a lot and get his shot up. I think his shot can get up to a 38% alongside Luka. Uh, on catch and shoot, he was, um, you know, well above 43% in Miami. So I I think he does project very well there with an, uh, with a great passer. Not to, not to say Ben Simmons isn't a great passer. I think Ben Simmons is more of a passer that self-serves him. I think Luca is really trying to find the open man and create offense through his passing. I think Ben Simmons is as well. Uh, I just think that their style of passing um, and play, play creation 
is uh, a little different. Now, does he just end up being a guy on the roster who's a good defender that, you know, is just taking up space? May I don't think so. I think he's a starting caliber player. I don't think he's the all-star that he was projected to become coming out of Miami, but I do think that he is going to be an impact player on the Mavericks. I think he automatically comes in and becomes the uh, leader of the defense and sets the tone defensively when you can throw in players like Green, Bay, Finney Smith, you know, Maxi, um, all these, all these uh, other types of defenders that we now have at our disposal. This automatically makes a lot of our other players like Dorian and Maxi better defenders because they have less work to do. They can make more plays. They can take a little bit more gambles. Um, there may be a little bit in less compromising positions. This really transforms our defense, and I think our defense becomes... Yeah, I think I, our defense turns into a top 10 defense. So, and that's crazy to say from last year of us being 18th. I think uh, us going up eight spots is is a legitimate, uh, there's a legitimate chance. Yes, a lot of our acquisitions are great defenders, but they're all, you know, rookies aside from Josh Richardson. So, but Richardson, he's what we wanted in DeLon he brings that perimeter defense. Uh, he brings the being able to defend guards is so huge. Being able to defend the Murrays and the Mitchells and the Dames of the world. Now we have a legitimate person to put on there. And I think Bay also projects to be a great wing defender as well uh, alongside Dorian Finney-Smith. So... I think we have set up our team to be with the Richardson acquisition. I think that automatically changes what we look for in the offseason. So we'll go back into the team in a, in a bit, but that's the, the huge impact Richardson has on the team. And I know people are upset about losing Curry, but... Curry had problems getting his shot off. He had he wasn't aggressive enough. He's really efficient, but he uh, just wasn't able to really get that big of a role on the team. And I think Richardson is more of a starting level talent. Now, Josh Green, to me, is a mixed bag. You talk about his potential and his ability, and then you talk about what he actually did at Arizona. Now, Josh Green was taken with our 18th pick in the NBA draft. He's out of uh, the Sydney area um, in Australia, Castle Hill, I believe. And he's a 6'11", wingspan, um, high motor, really tenacious, athletic defender, that can get out on the floor and just he's got the speed and and hops to do a lot of things in the NBA. Now, why was he not ranked higher if he's if he projects to be this all NBA defender and is super athletic and can shoot? Well, it's really because at Arizona he had basically the role that he's probably going to have on the Mavs, which is a backup bench three and D guy. He proved that he really couldn't get to the basket and score a lot. 
Um, he couldn't, he, he had a lot of problems uh, scoring um, around the basket. His finishing was very poor. He uh, didn't really have any sort of shot creation. Now, coming out being a five-star recruit and then expecting him to be this, you know, this star on a team full of five stars, uh, that, yeah, that is a pretty big disappointment when you, when you look at it. I think Arizona probably would have done a lot better had Josh Green played a little bit better. Um, there was quite a few uh, situations where, or areas in his game that he was lacking. And that's, that's just, uh, I wanted to give a more negative perspective, uh, perception of Josh Green because he was scouted to be in the later 20s or in the 20s in general. I think a lot of people thought he was drafted a little bit too high. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think that we, um, we probably could have traded down and still got him. But I do think fit-wise, he's exactly what we want. Now, I do think his upside are better than his knocks. He's still very young. And I think that um, him coming out of Australia and from IMG Academy, maybe you expect a little bit more from him. And then going into uh, into the uh, into Arizona. But the thing with him is, you know, he didn't play basketball his whole life. Those skills, those little fine skills was finishing around the basket, stuff like that. That's the stuff you learn when you're really young. You know, you learn how to contort your body to get a layup. You know, you learn all those things, (laughs) you know, really young in your career. And I think there's a lot of things that he can still learn coming out. Now, you, you really he only had a couple years of really playing basketball to um to really acclimate himself to the game. Now, uh, his raw ability is is really high, and I do think that when you combine all of his skill sets together, really all he has to do is shoot efficiently and he's a starting caliber player. Because his defense is so good. And his uh, athleticism lends him to be on the fast break. Where we didn't really have much of a fast break game, even though Luka uh, was so good. So, I'm happy with Josh Green. I want to temper a little bit of people's expectations on him. I don't think he's going to be a starter this year. I think he's going to be a backup 3 and D guy. I think there's going to be a maybe longer learning curve than people are ready for. But I think that's why they got Josh Richardson. So um, he could maybe take his time developing. Now, I do think it is a problem if Green shows that he can shoot early on and he's not getting the amount of minutes he needs. I think that that is uh, a problem and that we should maybe make some trades um, to give him a bit bigger opportunity. But, you know, if Josh Richardson um, becomes acclimated to the Mavs and, and really makes an impact and shows that he can shoot, then all of a sudden, 
you're in a situation where you have a, you know, embarrassment of riches on that, on a place that you thought was a weakness before. So it really, it kind of just depends. It depends on how these guys get acclimated to the offense. Um, to wrap up what I want to say about Josh Green is I am high on him. I think he, you know, at 18, you don't really expect to get much in the NBA. If you look at it historically, most of the players after the lottery, um, they don't make it in the NBA. They don't ever become stars. They don't ever become, you know, anything uh, of real impact. But if you see somebody at that spot that has um, undeniable talent where they are some of the best in the class, you take it. And that's why you took Josh Green there because nobody else in the draft, I think, has the defensive upside that Josh Green does. And that's also why we took Tyrell Terry, because I don't think many people in the draft have the offensive ability that Terry has. So let's get into Tyrell Terry. Rick Carlo, at the beginning of every season, goes in with each player and really has them define their role. He wants them to set goals based on their roles. I think he is a very role-oriented coach. We've seen that with players like Seth Curry and Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi. They do exactly what they're supposed to do and don't really do much of what they aren't supposed to do. Tyrell Terry fits a specific role for the Mavericks. Now, he projects to be on the high end, one of the best offensive players in this draft. Uh, but for the Mavericks, Rick Carlisle sees Tyrell Terry in the Seth Curry role. A secondary offensive playmaker shooter. A tertiary sort of player that plays to complement Luka or complement Brunson in the offense sometimes being the focal point of the offense on the bench. Now, Terry, I think, Terry is a 6'2", 6'3", 100 and now maybe 180 pound, 190 pound uh, point guard, shooting guard. He's a tweener. He has comparisons to a a Seth Curry or a Steph Curry. He has comparisons to uh, Trey Young. He is a nice passer. He is a very good shooter, shooting 40% um, on about seven attempts a game, something like that, six, seven attempts a game. Um, So I do rate him. Being an offensive impact player, like maybe a Landry Shamit, like maybe a Tyler Hero, somewhere in that mold of maybe not on their level, but what their role would be on the team. Now, they're not going to be the third option, probably not going to be the fourth option, but they'll definitely be in that six-man option role. I, I His... 
his size very uh, really his size worries me a lot. He's very small. He's very slight. He did gain some weight, but I don't know if that's really great weight. I look at his frame and I look at him and I didn't see him gaining muscle. I saw him getting maybe a little bigger, but he's still very small. And gaining that much weight over an off season may affect his offense as well. So we'll see how his shot projects in the NBA. He does have the range. He does have the skill set to get a shot off. Unlike Seth, I think Terry has a better ability to get a shot off. Um, Is he as efficient as Seth? No, because I think he's taking harder shots. I think on catch and shoot, um, he was something like some ungodly number in the 50% uh, 50% and catch and shoot numbers. uh, And his true shooting percentage was 60s as well. Super high, uh, super efficient player as far as shooting goes. Now, I think he's the perfect, he's in the perfect position playing on the Mavericks to be able to do that because they already have a defined role. All the other players know how to play alongside a player like him. So I think that he becomes, I think he gets more starting minutes than Bay. I think he gets more minutes in general. I think he may even get more minutes than Josh Green early on, just because I think he can make more of an impact on the bench. Um, a lot of players like him better than Josh Green. Now, I, I'm really high on Josh Green um, I think he becomes a very good player. But I also think that uh, Terry probably makes a, a bigger impact early. I don't necessarily love his attitude. I think he's kind of a weird dude, in my opinion, uh, from just preliminarily looking at some of his interviews and stuff. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a disruption locker room guy. Maybe he's just one of those guys that you just need to get to know before you make a judgment on him. But he's a confident guy. He really is. And he, uh, <laughs> you know, some of his responses on, you know, how he fits into the offense uh, were a bit cocky. He, he was like, you know, Luca is going to be happy to play with a player like me sort of, sort of uh, attitude. And I kind of like that. I kind of like a player that seems like he's going to get under the other, uh, under the opponent's skin. Um, he's shown to make some good passes. I don't really think he's going to be a three assist sort of dude, but I do think he projects to be a better, uh, a a better passer, a better assist getter uh, than Seth. And I think he maybe uh, he he averaged. About five rebounds a game as well, so I I project him to be a maybe a better rebounder as well. He has good instincts at rebounding, which for his size is very very um, surprising. So, with all that being said, I'm happy about Terry. I was really hoping we were going to get Bane, but uh, Terry is maybe maybe projects to be even better shooter. He's much younger than Bain, um, 40% out the gate. I think Bain is probably 
more NBA ready to make the, the impact offensively. So it is a bit of a blow, but if I was to choose between Bain and having both Terry and Bay, uh, I'll take Terry and Bay. So that's it for Tyrell Terry. I think really one thing to look out for is a lot of offensive shot making. He seems to be a little bit more aggressive than Seth. So I think really you could utilize his shooting a bit better. He seems like he's able to get his shot off a little bit better. Um, and he's shown that he can he can even get in and finish at the rim with the big boys, even though he's a tiny dude. So um, I, see, I see some Trey Young vibes. I see some Steph Curry vibes. You know, I see a little bit more of that in there. So it'll be really interesting. You know, we're starting to get a team where uh, we're getting a lot of players that match skill sets with a lot of really elite players. So I'm excited with that. Now, Tyler Bay may take a couple of years to really see what you can get out of him. I think he projects to be a very good player in the NBA. Um, he's got the motor and the length. His, he's got a 7-1 wingspan. He's 6-7. He's got the quickness the lateral quickness, he's got the athleticism, he's got the, he needs to work on his strength and his, his passing out of double teams, um, but, and that, that is a big weakness for him, but I think that strength will definitely come, he's got the frame to do it, he's got the shoulder um, width to do it, so he's got all the, the tools he needs to defend one through five. Now, he only shot one attempt per game at the three-point line, and he shot 40%. So um, basically, we don't know how good of a shooter he is. If he can do two to three attempts a game at 40%, sign me up all day. Sign me up all day. He'll be able to start in the league. If He's got a great motor. He's got great athleticism, and he's got great length, just like Josh Green. And they're different sizes and different skill sets, to where they can play alongside each other. Bay is more of a elite rebounder. I think he's one of the best rebounders in the draft. And he's a bit more athletic than his brother, um, Sadiq. So I, I project him to be very high. Although I do think it'll take him a few years. On the low end, I see him projecting out to being what Dorian Finney-Smith was last year. And... On the high end, I see him projecting to be a Jeremy Grant or even a Sean Marion because of the because of the motor on the guy. Um, I think the most likely scenario is he projects to be what Dorian Finney Smith is now, a upper thirty percent shooter and a very good defender that can rebound. Um, and Tyler rebounds on both sides of the ball. He wrote defensive rebounds and he gets his offensive rebounds. He will get his own misses back. He will do, um, he has a lot of, he's very good at um, quickly getting to where he anticipates the ball is going to go and beating his opponent there. Uh, he has really good instincts on that side of the ball, defending and rebounding. Um, he's got the recovery speed. He's got the length to... Uh, make up for it when he uh, 
when he misses the, the right step. I think he has all the physical tools to be a defender right now. I think if you were to start a lineup with Luca, Richardson, um, Green at the three and Bay at the four, and then KP at the five, it could work. All all of them playing together, so it would be a crazy and and you know in a couple of years if that is the the lineup, you have one of the best defensive lineups in the league and you're still playing Luca. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm on board with the Bay pick. I think at 36 he's the best possible player you could get on the on the board, um, and basically getting him for free um, for the Richardson trade. I'm I'm all in. I'm all in on that. I think he projects to be a very very efficient um, player as far as what you're paying and what you're getting in return. I think uh, a lot of teams went after players like Patrick Williams and you know some of these other three and D guys when uh, way higher up on the uh, on the draft board and. Bay pretty much is a better def- perimeter defender than than Precious, than you know Williams and all these other guys. So um, they're they're thinking about can they become Kawhi's? We don't want Kawhi's. We got Luca. We want really good uh, role players. We want elite defenders and good shooters to surround Luca. And I think we got all that today. We got all those players. Um, so where does this? What does this team look like? Let's go into a um, you know a headspace of trying to figure out what this team is like, especially with Tim Hardaway opting in. I think really now all we have to do in our offseason is uh, get the MLE, and we'll talk about that coming up. So the Dallas Mavericks actually added a couple more players to the roster yesterday an undrafted free agent Nate Hinton out of Houston the 6-5 wing um, solid shooter really good defender great team defender and uh, Freddie Gillespie the forward center out of Baylor another really good defensive minded player they will be taking the two-way spots um, what this means for Antonius Cleveland and uh the Reeves Hive with Josh Reeves. Maybe we'll just do an all-Josh lineup one day. Maybe we uh, promote him to the first team and just go all the Joshes, just joshing everywhere. But I don't know what this means for their future. Do they stay with the Legends? What's going to happen there? So best of luck to those guys. I love uh, watching Josh Reeves and Antonius Cleveland play. They're just fun guys to watch. So I hope that they either have a future here or somewhere else where they can maybe get some uh, NBA minutes somewhere. Um, so what does this team look like really now? What does our starting five look like? Starting five for me probably looks like a Luka, Josh Richardson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi KP lineup. Maybe sometimes Dorian Finney-Smith instead of Maxi. I could see that being the lineup in a lot of different lineups. Um, our bench would be, you know, 
Brunson, Tyrell Terry, uh, Josh Green, Tyler Bay, uh, Dwight Powell. And I'm only putting Powell on the bench because he's coming off an Achilles tear. So um, it may take a while for him to get back into the starting lineup. If he does, we'll see what his leg looks like. Um, So, you know, we have other players on our roster, JJ. We don't know um, who all is going to re-sign with us. We don't know if we may even have Willie Cauley-Stein back. We may have, uh, you know, JJ back. There's a possibility for even Courtney Lee to come back. So, Maybe if they want to keep some veteran leadership there. You never know. Uh, I don't really know what the situation is going to be with that. But we are going to have a really, really young bench. And that's going to be really interesting. And unless we get another, uh, maybe another power forward to put on the starting lineup, we may have a kind of a weak, weaker I don't I don't know if I want to say weaker bench, but definitely a, a more inexperienced bench now with JJ definitely having a lesser role and you know Seth being gone um and really him giving way to the starting lineup. You you essentially I would assume that Dorian Finney Smith would end up on the bench. Now he gives you I, I would consider Dorian Finney-Smith a vet by now. I mean, he gives you great defense and shooting, but uh, I think him playing not alongside of Luka, does he take a hit there? I don't know, you know? So I think we may need to spice up that bench a bit. Maybe, but maybe uh, Tyrell Terry just catches fire and really makes that bench unit uh, really effective. So I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that front. Um, what do I project this team as going forward? I would say that we got a lot better defensively. I, I would say that we're in the top 10 in defense now. Um, if we can really get some starting minutes with these young guys, I think we will project to be a very good defensive team. If we can keep Bay and Dorian Finney-Smith in the starting rotation, going uh, if we have a, a healthy rotation of Josh Green and Josh Richardson. I think that we have enough defenders to throw at anyone to give them a really um, bad night on offense on the opposite uh, team. So I'm happy we really, uh, we really targeted our needs in a very uh, uh, measured way. And I'm very impressed with Donnie's work last night. Now, we still have one more spot that we can fill up on this team, and that is our $9 million mid-level exception. Now, now that we have a very well-balanced team, I think with our MLE, we can do some things that really impact our team. I think if we can get a player like Serge Ibaka on the mid-level exception, I would be ecstatic. I think he would really bring the um, experience, the championship level, 
the warrior in him. And I know it sucks we have a team called the Warriors, so it gets confusing. But he's a real warrior. He will go to war for you. He will literally throw hands for his team and has in the past. Um, he's a really good cook. He's a funny dude. He's really fun to be around. All his teammates love him. I think he would be a great locker room guy. So I would really, really, really like Ibaka on our team. Um, he brings shooting, rebounding, defense, shot blocking. And he lets, you know, he protects KP. He will make it a lot easier on KP playing defense and on offense. He'll give him a lot more open shots as well. Plus, it lets you put Maxi on the bench where I believe Maxi is better suited him playing alongside Powell with a playmaker. I think that automatically makes Brunson better as a passer. I think it really opens up the offense on the bench unit as well. So if we could get somebody like that, I think our team's set. And if we were to able, if we were to be able to get someone like that, and if we didn't get him, maybe, maybe a, a Gallinari or something like that. But if we were able to get Ibaka or Gallinari on our team, I think our team projects with health and development withstanding. Um, I think we're a Western Conference Finals team. I said it right here on the pod. I think we can make it to the Western Conference Finals with a healthy KP, with the pieces we added, and with um, a solid four spot uh, on the MLE. Or, you know, another wing. Whatever playmaking, somebody that can get a bucket but can also hold their own in some other way. They don't necessarily have to be a great defender like Ibaka. They don't necessarily have to be a great offensive player like Gallinari. They just need to bring something uh, to the table that is maybe an upper-level tier player that is a a good starter, not a solid starter, right? Somebody who is a impact starter, whether that impact be on the defensive or offensive side of the ball. If we have, especially that brings shooting, uh, that's a recipe for me. That's a tried and true playoff team because the way that you look at this matchup now, where you have Luca being able to do what he wants on the offensive end, he has enough athleticism now to be able to run a lot more plays. There, you, you also add players that are good moving off ball. You are able to, on the defensive end, uh, hold leads now. Because we would get in situations where we had these huge leads and we couldn't hold them because we couldn't defend. Or we couldn't close the gap in close games because we couldn't defend. That's why our clutch percentage was so bad. So having a team now that can really lock things down defensively, to an extent, at least more than we were before, to really keep those gaps closed, I think that's huge. And I think that will add a lot of wins I think how we match up against, uh, let's say, for instance, we did get Ibaka. We could throw, uh, if we were to play the Lakers in the finals, we could throw a Josh Richardson and Tyler Bay and Josh Green all on LeBron, giving them different looks defensively. And then you could have uh, also Tyler Bay 
Um, which I don't think Tyler Bay is ready to play <laughs> defend a player like AD, but you have that sort of prototype in the middle, somebody to throw at him. Um, you have an Ibaka, you have a Maxi, you have a KP, all these players that can work in tandem together to defend, you know, the ADs of the world. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, more bodies to throw at all these Kawhis and Paul Georges and, you know, Jokic and all those players. If you have all those types of players to throw at these great stars, then you can just let Luka do his work and get those buckets and take over games. I think it really changes the way the dynamic of the team is against these bigger opponents and I think eventually we will come out on top. I think if KP can be in really good health towards March and and make a, a good run there, you know, sky's the limit for this team. It really is. I really feel like we're in a great position um, to go forward. I think maybe... With Tim Hardaway Jr. and Josh Richardson on the same team, it's going to get a little awkward on the starting lineup, and maybe that changes. But we're at a situation now where we finally have four high-quality starters on the team and uh, maybe only one spot to really improve to become a legitimate NBA championship contender. Anyway, guys, that's it for me. I had a great time talking Mavs. I really appreciate you listening and your listenership. I had a great time uh, talking the draft with a lot of people yesterday. My goodness. Uh, I was on the Locker Room app, and we were um, doing the NBA Draft 2.0, where there were a bunch of great basketball minds from all over the country uh, playing GM and taking their draft spots, and then as well as... Um, talking with Mavs Draft, Richard, and all those guys right before the draft doing their pregame pod. I think that was a podcast. I'm not even sure. We were just having fun talking. And then also with uh, Brian Zillum and Lauren Gunn over at the Blue Hardwood, talking them live um, on the draft with them. I think we were on there for about four hours talking together. So, We had a great time all around. I really appreciate the support. And as always, tweet me at KabamMavs. That's the handle. The the, uh, at is KabamSports. Tweet me there. Follow me on Spotify. Give me a five-star review on iTunes if you like. If you don't like, just tweet me and yell at me and tell me I'm stupid. Uh, Because I probably am. We'll see what happens. But... Anyway, guys, y'all have a great one. I'll talk to you on the next episode.